You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hi there, and welcome to Mosaic Church for everyone here in the room, as well as those of you that are joining us online as we continue in week three of the Not Alone series. We are looking at why we can say that we are not alone and how important it is to know that. And so as you can tell by now, I'm not our lead pastor, Morgan Stevens. However, Lord willing, today you will hear from the Lord. It'll just be through the dark chocolate version from yours truly, Alvin Brown, one of the pastors here at Mosaic and the lead pastor of Mosaic Church Fort Worth. And to God be the glory. Now, with that given expectation set, this leads me to share with you the title of today's fitting message, The Unexpected Return. How we can know that we are not alone and experience deep, if not deeper, relational connection with God and others in great times of trauma and stress. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into today's message. Father, I come before you. Lord, prepare our hearts. I stand here as your messenger. Father, speak your your spirit and your truth in us to know that we are not alone. Lord, I know that I could stand here and I could say words, but Father, it is not until you pour out your Holy Spirit to transform our heart by any great measure. And so, Father, we pray right now, Lord, let it be, let it be done in the name of Jesus. And all God's people say, amen. So to kick off our time together today, say the following out loud with me, home, sweet home. Ready? Home, sweet home. Let's do it again. Home, sweet home. And so right about now, many of you are likely thinking, humming, or turning up Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama in your mind. And if you're not, now you are. But as for me and what that phrase, home sweet home, means, whether returning from a long business or personal trip or simply a hard day's work, I love returning home and being warmly greeted by my wife and kids. Now, for you, it may not be the same or it may be extended family, roommates, or pets doing the warm greeting. Or, unfortunately, home may not be the fondest place of return for you, and I get that too. Nevertheless, imagine with me, if you will, picture it. What would it be like leaving the parking lot and returning home from today's service? Or maybe work, or from wherever you are outside of the home to discover mayhem has struck. Now, as you drive home, you spot billows of black smoke on the horizon. At first, you probably don't panic, and you likely think, that's unfortunate for someone. But imagine the closer and the closer you get to your home, especially when you turn down the street to realize and discover it's your home and it's burned to the ground. Yeah, you're faced with complete loss of not only your home, but your neighbor's homes as well. Oh, but the story gets unexpectedly better, scratch that, worse. You're then hit with the unexpected news that not only did the fire originate in your home and engulf others, but thieves, yes, 
thieves robbed your home, kidnapped your loved ones, friends, or roommates living with you, and they did the same to your neighbors prior to setting your home ablaze. And to make matters worse, your once happy-go-lucky neighbors are anything but that in this given moment. In fact, they're awaiting your arrival so that they can sue you to, into oblivion because your mayhem has greatly, if not gravely, impacted them. So now think, everything and anything of any value to you, your loved ones, your possessions and relationships, gone, completely gone. And on top of that, it's your fault and your neighbors are standing out there with rocks in their hand ready to stone you. Now, how about that? Well, in the words of all states, Mr. Mayhem himself, hopefully you have insurance and you are truly in good hands and protected from such uncertain mayhem. But seriously, all jokes aside, have you ever experienced this or your own mayhem moment? You know, where things seemingly only get worse or downright grave, gravely with one uncertainty after the next. Well then, this little home sweet home turned into mayhem moment is where we enter today's text of 1 Samuel chapter 30, where we discover that someone named David and his ragtag army of men arriving home expecting a warm celebratory welcome only to be subjected to the unexpected return of trauma and stress. David, if you don't know who that is, he's one of the central figures of the Old Testament. He was the hero of the nation of Israel for defeating a Philistine giant named Goliath. David will go on to be Israel's greatest king, but here, here in 1 Samuel chapter 30, he was quite king yet. He was on the run from the current king, the wicked and jealous Saul. And so to be fully prepared to lead a nation and care for his people as a godly king and even a leader should, David had still one more lesson to learn, and that was this. He had to learn that even in times of stress and trauma, he was not alone. So how did he process his difficult moment? And more importantly, how can we? So let's take a moment and explore how this moment in David's life can help us to return from times of great stress and trauma. So 1 Samuel chapter 30 reads, David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag, and they had attacked Ziklag, said that fast three times, and burned it, and they had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David two, David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. What happened to the wives? Did we miss that one? Gentlemen, don't do that to your wife. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Now, if only life and the trials we face were as easy as reading, the verse 
6 there in 1 Samuel 30 to proclaim and realize our victory in overcoming great times of trauma and stress. Well, this is a, this is a case of it's easier said than what? Done. Exactly. I mean, I don't know about you, but strength is so far from my mind in the nature, in the nature of great times of trauma and stress. Matter of fact, if you're anything like me, then your response to the very moment of great times of unexpected trauma and stress, it's like, it isn't like, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored in the Lord. It's probably more like, look, do me a favor and leave me the bless the Lord on my soul alone until I can wrap my mind around all that has happened to me. But all jokes aside, though, how is it that David found strength in the Lord, his God, in this moment of complete horror? Or terror. After all, Ziklag, a town where David had made his home sweet home while on the run from Saul, it's been completely burned and destroyed. Everyone, including David's family, as well as his, as well as his army, uh, men's army, have been kidnapped, rather taken captive by the Amalekites, most likely in order to enslave them. Now, that's just what we read, but let's get real. Seriously, imagine actually having been the people or person living in the moment, showing up on the scene with a home sweet home expectation only to be unexpectedly met with not hearing from a single person's soul. What do you think? Well, I can tell you what, it's like this. It's like we would likely think what the worst and not the best of a situation like this. So let's quickly recap again. David is on the run from King Saul. He and his army of men are hiding out in Philistine territory, Gath to be exact. Yes, the same Gath where David defeated Goliath. Then he and his army are rejected and told that they can't be trusted to help the Philistines to fight David's homeland Israel. Concurrently, David leaves Ziglag unguarded, the place he and his family had left their fam- uh, his men and their families, only to arrive home to the unexpected return of an Amalekite raid and take. This then results in David and the army crying until they can't shed another tear. And then to make matters worse, the outcast, downtrodden, and misfit men who make up David's army have lo- and who have loyally followed his lead and witnessed many victories as he escaped death from King Saul, well, they don't blame themselves. Guess who they blame? And it ain't Jesus. He hadn't made it on the scene yet. No, they don't blame themselves. They don't even blame Saul, and they don't blame the Amalekites. They don't blame Philistines. Guess who they blame? David, exactly. And they're going to stone him all the while singing, I got a pocket full of stones. Yeah. Talk about a lemony snicket, a series of unfortunate events for our man, David. Yet, here's what's admirable about David. David doesn't get short, volatile, or violent or snippy with the men in an angry attempt to pull rank or restore order. In fact, David doesn't even turn inward or seek to escape through drugs, alcohol, gluttony, overwork, suicide, pleasuring himself, or any other means apart from God. No, David doesn't do that. So if David doesn't do any of those things, what did David do? And more importantly, how can we learn to face and overcome our own trauma and stress as David did, strengthening ourselves in the Lord? Well, in verse 4, as simple as it may sound, one of the first things David did and his men did was face reality with a good cry until they had no strength to cry no more. 
Or said another way, David laments the unexpected trauma and stress of all that's taken place at Ziklag. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term or what it means to lament, lamenting is expressing great sorrow or regret and even grief about something or someone as in the loss of a life. Now, the Bible has much to say about lament, so much so that there's an entire book in the Bible dedicated to the theme of of lamenting, and it's entitled, help me? Lamentations. Lamentations. I saw a dude confidently go, Jesus, keep doing it. Good, Good confident faith with you, but no, lamentations. But what you may or may not know is this. There is also a number of Psalms written by David himself. Yes, this same David. And it also teaches us how to turn to God and lament well, if you will. So this begs the question, like David, have you ever expected one thing to happen in life only to return and face the unexpected? You know, have you personally ever lamented to God in response to unexpected trauma, and stress. Well, I have. And I want to share a longer story about a challenging, life-changing, and traumatic moment in my life and how God reached out to me to help see me through it. So about six months ago, I was away and attending a training session to help for our upcoming launch of Mosaic Church, Fort Worth. On the final day of this training, A few hours before I was to board a plane and return back home to Austin, Texas, I was called to the front of the room during a prophetic presbytery moment. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the terms prophecy, prophetic gifting, prophesying, or prophetic presbytery, a prophetic presbytery is simply a moment where God shares his heart and speaks words of encouragement, correction, and or warning through trusted people to you, well, in this case, me in this story. And so, I walked up to the front of the room as people began praying. Three leaders, two gentlemen, and a lady took turns speaking. And so, I want to share with you what they shared with me so you can understand what it was that I heard that day and how it prepared me for what came next. Now, I want you to hear my heart, and I want to level set with you. Listen, Ultimately, of course, listen, we trust God's word more than the words spoken to us by people. But we're also told not to despise those words, but to judge them to see if there is truth in them. And in this case, for me, there was. Here's what was shared with me that day by three relative strangers at the conclusion of that training session. The first gentleman's words were, If you don't hear anything else that I tell you, please hear the Lord's heart on this one thing. I haven't forgotten you and what is needed for you in private. You don't show many moments of weakness and often process events and isolation. But know that I see you and I'm bringing complete full circle healing. I want you to slow down and understand that I value you more than the work that I do have for you to complete. Then the next gentleman added, he says, I saw you as a man following God as a man following a GPS unit like Siri. It's like right turn now and you respond, okay, sure. You have completely surrendered to God. You've laid down your own understanding and thinking. You didn't see the season coming. 
Then, out of nowhere, it's like, left turn now. And you were like, wait a minute, I thought we were going straight. There are some, uh, there are some unexpected twists and turns of where I, the Lord, am leading you. And finally, the lady steps forth and delivers the following as she looks at me. She says, when I look at you, the word that comes to the mind is lament. Push pause. Hold up. That's not the word that I was looking for. Listen, maybe you need to go back. Maybe it was laughter. That's what we were looking for was laughter, not lament. Push play. I'm going to give you a definition. It's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. It's mourning a deep loss. This next season, it's time for you to stop and lament. I believe the Lord wants you to know that it's okay to cry and cry like a baby. It's okay to pour your heart out to the Lord. It's okay for you to be angry with him. All of these things are okay. You're in a great place, Mosaic, to lament. Just know that the Lord has, swaddled, has, has you swaddled like a baby and that it's safe for you to lament. And then watch. Watch and see what the Lord will do to you and where he takes you after lamenting. Well, with all that out of the way, my future was looking really, really bright. Not exactly, but I sure was hoping so at that given moment. But if those words weren't enough, the moment was closed out by the first gentleman circling back around and sharing a verse that the Lord had laid upon his heart for me and the very words that David penned in Psalms 34, 18, where it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. To which this same person then accurately shares with me a sobering truth about my very own nature and inclination, saying, you don't stay brokenhearted long enough for God to draw close to you. Yeah, that's what I said too. <laughs> All right, brother. No offense. <laughs> he then went on to say, this verse has changed my life. It allows for, for God to usher me into a space where when I know that I'm hurting, it's okay. Because I have a good shepherd and I'm safe with him. It's safe to be hurting in his presence. And I get the benefit of him drawing close to me. My most powerful moments with God came when I was completely broken, completely broken, like nothing left broken. And then when I got into his presence in these moments, he didn't necessarily deal with what was broken as much as he radically spoke a fresh new calling and declaration that unexpectedly restored and renewed my spirit. Now, fast forward four days later, and my wife, having heard the recording of, that, of everything that I just shared with you, my wife and I were praying as we do daily, and she notices my disposition. It was as if I had something to say, but I could not vocalize it. She looked at me deeply in the eyes, and she gently encouraged me, saying, just pray whatever it is that is on your heart. She said, just say it. God can handle it. So, taking a deep breath, I simply responded and prayed, Lord, I'm scared to say and pray this, but teach me how to lament. 
Fast forward hours later on November 9th, 2021, and our brother, friend, and pastor of children's ministry, Kevon Liber, transitioned to be with the Lord. He died in front of me during a staff meeting. And just like that, the unexpected had happened. We attended to him, we prayed, we proclaimed, we declared, we decreed, we cried out scripture. We even shed tears. We even wailed. And then one hour later, in the words of my wife, as she gently pulled my face to make eye contact with her, she said, we're now lamenting. The unexpected return of an answered prayer. Yet a father in heaven who loved me so much to gift me with a loving word of warning that has carried me. It's carried me to this moment. share this story with you to bring and give you a hope that we are never alone. God cares. He loves us in great measure to see us through the most unexpected trauma and stress one could ever imagine or experience. Sure, we didn't get the happy ending of sunshine and rainbows of our friend returning to life as Lazarus did. However, in the most radical way, I can only speak for myself in this moment. But God brought about an inexplicable, reviving peace and strength to my broken heart and spirit to rise from the ashes of brokenness, to eulogize my dear brother, all the while holding steadfast to believe and proclaim 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, where it reads, brothers and sisters, We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him like our brother, Kivon, and the many friends, families, co-workers, neighbors that we've all lost along the way. And so this scripture, this scripture is my hope that can be your hope too. And it's this. This is what it teaches us. We can lament unexpected trauma and stress to the one true God that overcame the sting of death. He will help us overcome the sting of death. And much like I asked and prayed for the Lord to teach me to lament, David too, he received strength from the Lord by actively lamenting, asking, and waiting upon the Lord's response. As I've come to learn what David likely knew all along based on past experiences, and it's this. Our God, the one true God, does not lack. There is no lack to God in strengthening us in our most painful 
our most painful times of brokenness. Therefore, we should always approach God with a certain expectation of who he is, no matter how uncertain the circumstance and situation we face. He is able to strengthen us when and while we lament, which is why I believe David requests Abiathar, the priest, to bring him the ephod in verse 7. And no, I didn't say iPod. I said ephod. The ephod in David's day was a linen garment that a priest would wear when praying to and asking direction from God for the people. It was a symbol of his heart opening to the word of God. And so the point is this. In his crisis, what David teaches us, David teaches us that he opens his heart once more to receive direction from God. And it's in these moments that you and I, we must remember to read Meditate, pray, speak, and live out God's word, especially when facing great times of trauma and stress. It is with an expectant heart and mind that we remember God's faithful to deliver us from past experiences, all the while inquiring of God without introducing any um, unintended, unexpected, self-inflicting wounds as we read in verse 8. When David inquires of the Lord, he says, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? The Lord answers, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Now, after having verses 7 and 8 read, and I know that some of you are likely, you're sitting in your own state of brokenness. And I know you're probably wondering, hey, pastor, how can I get one of them iPhone, iPad deals, iPod, what what did you call that thing? An ephod. An ephod. Again, it's it's an ephod, not an iPod. So adding to that, what the priest Abiathar and the ephod word of David, see, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are to us today. And so just as, as the priest and the ephod directly connected David to God to receive divine strength and guidance to face the unexpected, see, Jesus became our priest through the shedding of his blood and dying as our substitutionary atonement. And so this allows us to connect to the God the Father directly while also gifting us the third person in the triune God, Holy Spirit, the great counselor, encourager, and comforter. So in an instant, because David obediently sought the Lord for the ultimate divine guidance, God changed the hearts of his men to drop their song of, I got a pocket full of stones and getting ready to stone David. And then they put the songs down, and what did they do? They rejoined David's promise from God to overtake the Amalekites and go rescue all that was lost. And we too, you and I, when we turn to Jesus, surrendering to and seeking nothing more than his will, then we too can realize divine counsel, encouragement, and comforting from the Holy Spirit, not only to be rescued from our own unexpected trauma and stress, but we empathetically become a mutual lifeline for the rescue of others to be counseled, encouraged, and comforted as David and his army encountered in verses 11, where it reads, they found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Karathites, some territory belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, 
and we burn Ziglag. This man told on himself. <laughs> but Admiral David says, can you lead me down to these people? He answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master and I will take you down to him. Now look, y'all, our man, the Egyptian, he knew a little bit of something of what we call snitches get Exactly. He might have told on himself, but he was like, listen, I, I don't want any other funny business. I want life. And so what this verse is, these verses should actually greatly encourage us as it greatly encourages me. See, when we read it, our hearts should actually leap with abundant joy, even in our darkest moments of unexpected trauma and stress. See, it's to know this. It's to know that God providentially provides for our unexpected return to rescue from death in the natural and the supernatural, even if by way of an unlikely source. I mean, think about it, y'all. David and his army could have easily killed the Egyptian who incriminated himself. But again, David and his men, they don't get short, they don't get volatile, they don't get violent or snippy with uh, the Egyptian in an attempt to avenge the loss of their loved ones or their possessions. And so I believe David's strengthening from the Lord, what it teaches us, it teaches and empowers us to extend compassion and empathy. We hope to be extended when we all feel alone in our own great times of trauma and stress. In fact, we're going to have a moment, we're going to take a moment to extend compassion and empathy to encourage someone facing their own time of unexpected trauma and stress. And so no matter if you're in the room or you're online with us, I want everybody to get your phone in your hand. Get your phone in your hand. Raise it up. Get those phones raised up. Raise those phones up in the air. Wave them around like you just don't care. Okay, come on. Here we go. So here's what we're going to do. You can get it down in front of you now. And so what we're going to do, I want you to think of someone who is living that is listed as a contact in your phone. Think of someone who is living that is listed as a contact in your phone. My bad. <laughs> that, that got stereo real quick. Next, the very first person that God places on your heart, I want you to text them the following words that you'll see on the screen. And it's God wants you to know that you are not alone. He loves you dearly, and so do I. God wants you to know that you are not alone. He loves you dearly, and so do I. And much like the prophetic presbytery moment was an unexpected gift from God to me, I pray that your show of compassion and empathy to the person you just texted brings a return to the Father's heart and love for the both of you. And so just like David and his army's show of compassion and empathy made way for the reviving and rescue of the Egyptian, it also made way for God to bring about the return of their wives their sons, daughters, possessions, and more through an unlikely, unexpected person. And so perhaps today, your heart longs to realize the rescue from the impact of the pandemic's trauma and stress of having carried your family away far from God. You know, those who walked away from the faith, those who said, that they were just gonna stop going to church altogether. Much like how the Amalekites, they carried away David and his men's families. Or maybe it's that you long for a return from a financial setback. 
or maybe it's a broken relationship restored and made better than it once was. Or you desperately desire comforting peace and strength from the loss of a loved one or friend. Might I encourage you? Might I encourage you? Many were David's troubles, but the Lord delivered him out of every single one of them. And yet, there was a greater David. The son of David, Jesus. He stands ever more so able to do the same for us when we turn to him, surrender, and strengthen ourselves in him. And it is in Jesus, in the name of Jesus alone, that we can experience deep, if not deeper, relational connection to know that we are not alone in great times of trauma and stress. May the Lord grant us his grace to grow through our trials as we learn to trust his promises and actively seek after him for his glory, our joy. Amen, church? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this moment, Lord. Thank you that you have poured out your spirit. I pray for the the hearts in this room that have encountered unexpected, unexpected circumstances and situations, traumatic, stressful. Lord, I pray that you would walk alongside them daily, that they would come to the foot of your throne with whatever it is that troubles them, Father. Lord, I also pray for those who aren't in relationship with you, that they would come forth, surrender, turn to you, turn from all the things that are less than you, to be made whole, to be redeemed, Father. This day, this moment, Father, teach us, walk with us, be with us. Let us know that we are not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.